from the darkness between the stars comes your voice from the void. A place for conversations on the occult and the esoteric. Thank you for tuning in to this strange signal. You have found a strange signal from a lonely star. This is your voice from the void coming to you. Tonight, my guest is Kelly Holder, astrologer and tarot reader and host of her own podcast, the Something in the Stars Astrology Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Kelly? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. We happen to both be located on the shores of Lake Michigan. So this, and we have met by happenstance online, much like my last guest, Kathy Pod. That's actually <laughs> kind of through Kathy and our interactions online that I met Kelly. Yeah, and I met Kathy at an astrology meetup group. <laughs> yes, and I personally have never really done much astrology. Um, I know what my astrological signs are both. At one time, I knew both my Native American, Celtic, and Chinese and standard, if there is such a thing, standard Western zodiac. But now mm -hmm. I only know my Western and Chinese. But Kathy did a star chart for me. And that was the oh, yeah? I had done. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, but anyway, how did you first get into astrology? Oh, man. Okay, so um, like most origin stories, it's uh, long and winding. <laughs> but, <what> like <laughs> but so my earliest memories of being into astrology was in grocery stores. They used to have those little scrolls for your sun sign. Yeah. And I loved those. And uh, when I went on a field trip uh, when I was a little kid in fourth grade down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, there was a gift shop. And um, in the gift shop, they had like a necklace and a sticker for all of the zodiac signs. So that's what I spent my money on. You know, because you've always got like a couple of bucks to like get something from the gift, gift shop. And um, I really didn't think much of it. And then uh, sidebar, you know, when I turned 15, you know, I discovered things like tarot and Scott Cunningham. We all we all had our entry level with uh, Scott Cunningham. Yeah. And um and uh, I really didn't, I really, I, I, I'll be honest, I really didn't, Wicca was not my jam, I'll be honest. And, uh, you know, growing up down south, you have like a background noise of weird your, your entire life anyway. Yeah. I moved to the Midwest when I was about 15. But, um, so when I was about 15, 16 years old, um, I had a friend at school who had tarot cards. I eventually got a deck and um, I started getting into that. Um, I had a few friends who were into like Wicca or witchcraft and uh, just pick some things up from there. And then I think when I was in my early 20s, I had two friends who were really into astrology. And uh, they had, and this was, you know, just when the internet was getting, you know, into everyone's homes and a big deal. 
And so uh, I didn't know about astro.com at the time, but they had this book and they did my chart as much as they could with, without the rising sign. And of course the rising sign is what sets the chart. Um, but we, you know, we didn't know how to do it by hand. So, um, so for the longest time, I never knew what my rising sign was. It was just kind of a guess as to what the rising sign was. And so, um, but I got this book from them and I was, I was fascinated by it, you know, just like I was when I was a little kid, when I would, you know, get those scrolls from the um, grocery store, when I was, you know, like a, you know, a little tween 12 year old girl and like, you know, there was like the, you know, Cosmo magazines or, you know, YM magazines, Young Miss, you know, they always had the, uh, the horoscopes in the back and that would be the first thing that it would go to. I didn't care about fashion because I was, you know, goth at the time. <laughs> well, and still pretty much well that even though I'm 45 years old. Um, uh, got tickets for Bauhaus this for the summer, you know. Nice. <laughs> um, but, you know, that would be the first thing that I would go to. So I always had, so this was, you know, part of the background noise of my life. And then, uh, you know, I, tarot was something that I always did. I always had like a little bit of an altar somewhere. If I, you know, um, I always had like a little bit of the magics that I practiced here and there. And then when I was 35, there was this woman that I worked with and she did, she did astrology. Like she said, you know, when I was in college, she was like, that's just that I would do charts for people. You know, that's, you know, how I would earn, you know, extra cash. And so she had a subscription to like the mountain astrologer. So every time she got done with one of those, she would, she would give it to me. And she and I would always talk about astrology. And she was just like, you know, you really need to learn how to do this. And I was so intimidated by it. That's like the thread that runs through like most things I do in my life. Like the things I really want to do, I'm very intimidated by. Right. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I was reading about astrology, especially from like the mundane perspective. I was trying to understand my own chart. And then when I turned 40, I decided I'm going to learn this. And there was an astrologer that I had been following on YouTube by the name of April Shaley. And on her website, she had um, like a beginner course and mm -hmm. uh, uh, an intermediate course, I guess. And they were reasonably, reasonably priced. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm going to take this and I'm going to take this class and or these classes. And it was like six, it was like, think of total of like 12 webinars. Okay. So I got like a really, from just taking from her, I got like a really good base of like, wow, this stuff is starting to come together for me because I understand, you know, I at least I understand this and I stumble through it. I understand what transits are and all of that. So I was like, so like, as I was like peeling back all of these layers, I was like, wow, I'm understanding this more. And oh, look, it gets easier. Yeah. You know? And so I felt like I was figuring things out and whatever. And then I got into podcasts and I was like, 
and I listen to a lot of like political podcasts and, um, uh, you know, things like, and like, you know, podcasts on serial colors and stuff like that. Last podcast on the left is like one of my favorites. Um, and then I was just like, you know, I wonder if there's an astrology podcast. Well, it turns out there is, there's like a million of them. <laughs> but the first one that came up was one called the astrology podcast, which is run by Chris Brennan. And he has like 200 plus episodes. So I started going, so this was probably like two plus years ago now that I found his podcast. So I just started listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and he is, I would say he is a scholar of Hellenistic astrology. In that time, I you know, was listening to it and started to learn more about Hellenistic astrology. Now, in between this time, between taking April's class, I had been reading books that Demetra George had um, uh, published. I had taken a, um, a, like a workshop or two with Stephen Forrest, who does like evolutionary astrology. So I was kind of all over the place with it because there's so many different types of astrology. Well, that was something I was about to ask. Um... When you, up until you say that you started listening to him and got into Hellenistic astrology, and then you say that you had been kind of practicing evolutionary astrology, mm-hmm. what are some of the differences and what was the webinars that you took? What kind of astrology? Okay. So you have, okay. So April Shaley is, she was, she was the first one I took a class from and she, she deems herself as a modern astrologer. Okay. So in modern astrology, you are looking at the birth chart as a psychological profile of yourself, you know. So very Jungian. Yeah, and God knows I love me some Carl Jung. I mean, I'm I I am no longer a counselor, but I used to be a counselor. Oh, I'm cool. I'm still in I'm still in social services, but now I do mm-hmm. more administrative stuff. Sure. So. Yeah, so modern astrology really looks at the chart as like, this is your psychological profile. Because like, back in the day, like in the um, early 20th century, if you did predictions for people, you could be arrested. (laughs) You know, it was illegal to do that kind of stuff. So they kind of had to go, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't make predictions. We're telling you about you. <laughs> so that's modern astrology. Okay. Evolutionary astrology. So this was this is Stephen Forrest's jam. And um, what that is really about is like the, I always look at it as like the evolution of the soul. So like evolutionary astrology is really going to look at like, you're like, it's going to look at your 12th house and go, let's see what your past lives have to say. Right. Okay. So it's more, it's more like that. Like, you know, you can overcome your chart. What is the work that you need to do in this life to overcome what has happened previously to you? So very roadmap-ish in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, there's also horary astrology which is what you use like a tarot reading it's kind of like i'm going to cast the chart and predict the future as to what my question is and then there's electional astrology which um if you want to do something like let's say you want to sell your house or find a new apartment or or get a job something like that 
you're basically using, you're casting a chart to determine when is the best time to initiate that. So that's what electional astrology is. And also too, if you want to do astrological magic, you got to know how to do electional astrology. Well, that's what I was saying. That sounds like the Goetica. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but Hellenistic astrology, over the last 20 plus years, they've been recovering ancient texts of how they did astrology back in the day. And Chris Brennan is one of the uh, people who were, Kep uh, who were Kepler College and Project Hindsight, where they, started, uh, where they started working on all of this stuff. And um, so he has this course. And I've spent the last almost a year trying to get through it. It's very dense and it's very intense. And reading a chart from the Hellenistic tradition is very different from reading it from the modern tradition. Because in the Hellenistic tradition, one, there's a whole bunch of, uh, there's a whole bunch of techniques that they use that they don't use in modern. Okay. Um, but also the birth chart, the only part of the chart that is about the, the native, if you will, that's about you is the first house, which is the self and the identity. The rest of the houses are about other people and other circumstances that come into your life. You know, yeah. and it only uses the, um, you know, Mercury through Saturn because they didn't know about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Right. Right. So yeah. those don't even come into play. And it's amazing how, like, I, I use Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto as, like, interpretive points, especially, like, if somebody is having a transit to one of those planets from their personal planet, like you're having a Venus-Neptune opposition or something like that, because that will mean more. But for the most part, like, you can really tell a lot from a person's chart and what they're going through just by using, you know, the luminaries, sun and moon, and then Mercury through Saturn. Very interesting. Yeah. So, um, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, as you work through this and you say that you still use these other elements, are you going to transition more towards Hellenistic? Or are you going to continue to do hybrid astrology or or where do you foresee the practice going for you when you complete this course a lot of a lot of people what they do um is they will fuse both modern and hellenistic techniques um i know that's what uh chris brennan does um and uh that's and uh Demetra george she she just uh her book came out oh god I think it's been almost a year now. I haven't gotten that book yet, but she um, she merges the two as well. Because Demetra George has done a lot of work with asteroids, and I really love the asteroids because that's where a lot of the goddesses are. Okay. Up in the up in the up in the stars, you know, we've got a lot of the goddesses. That's where they are. So yeah, I definitely, I am very pro using um, both Hellenistic and modern techniques. 
So it sounds almost like it's, um, pardon the metaphor, but just a different toolkit. And depending yeah. on what it is that you're wanting to learn, depending yeah. on which technique you use. Almost as if I know, and disclosure, this will not come as a surprise to some of you who have listened to my last ones. I have never been a tarot person. I've mm-hmm. had tarot readings done, but I myself have never learned the tarot. Although I did have in the last three or four months, I got one for Christmas. Um, and since then, I've gotten a couple others. I've bought some tarot extras. I decided it was time to learn the tarot instead of having to go to other people for tarot readings. Um, and But anyway, that's a long way to say that I know some people who are heavily in the tarot, and I don't know if this applies to you, who have different decks that they will go to for different readings or for different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely, can I swear on here? Yes, you can cut You're like, sure. Well, I mean, I have what I call my yes bitch deck. <laughs> you know, the I'll one where I, the one where I'm just kind of like, all right, I just need you. I, I need the answer and I just need you to not be nice about it. Like I have a deck for that. But then I also have a deck where I'm just kind of like, I really need like somebody to just comfort me right now. <laughs> so I have that deck too. Sure. What decks are those? If you don't mind me asking. Okay, so my 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 nice my nice deck is my Wildwood Tarot. My my yes bitch deck is the Sacred Rose deck, which I've had for over twenty years. It was a gift from a friend of mine. And then, uh, when I just want straight talk, I go to my Smith Rider Weight. Yeah, that's the, uh, the most common one. The most people I know have that one. Yeah, and when I'm doing readings for other people, uh. You know, because sometimes people will contact me and they'll just be like, I need a reading and they're fine with me just doing the reading myself and then giving them an MP3. I will usually go to the Smith Rider Waite because it's just the no nonsense deck. And I just have that conversation of like, I am asking you a question. It is coming from this person. This is what they want to know. You know, please help me out with this. And then. And usually, like, doing that technique, like, has, because usually when I send the reading, people are like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, okay, good. (laughs) The decks I picked up is I picked a Santa Moeta deck. Ooh. The Hoodoo deck, um, the Oracle of Heaven and Hell, and the Nefertiti deck. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and I haven't opened any of them yet. They're all just sitting, you know, on my bookshelf of, of occult and miscellaneous stuff and not just because I want to do a tarot of the day kind of thing like a two card everyday reading yeah to kind of learn the cards but I kind of wanted to start that at the beginning of the year and I obviously missed that so I just haven't decided I might start it on the solstice and so I've, anyway I've just been waiting for an auspicious time to start yeah, the deck that I use for those is um, the Draconis deck, um, and and I love it. Uh, it was a gift from my husband, and it's all dragons. Yes, <laughs> it's all dragons. It's so pretty. If you don't mind, I have some other questions when you were telling me your your origin story. <laughs> okay. Um, first, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll go here. So you were talking about growing up in the South and somebody who also grew up in the South, um, the general weirdness in the background that you were talking about, that, that noise. 
as she yep. described it. Did you have any experience with that that stick with you that you would want to relate? Uh, probably, probably several. Um, and, and I mean, I'm trying to pull them out of air right now, but as you may be familiar with, like, it, it's like that thing that's always there. And then when you try to explain it, it evaporates. But the best way I can describe it is, because I was, I was thinking about this earlier today, was like a good example is when I lived in Louisiana, uh, well, the first time I lived in Louisiana, um, you know, outside my neighborhood, First Nation burial grounds. Oh, okay. You know, they were just there along yeah. the Washita River, mm -hmm. you know, and we would, and they were, they were just there. There were tons of trails. So what do, you know, children at the, you know, the age of nine, 10 and 11, what do you do? You know, you take your bikes yeah. into the woods. And it was just always that, so I can't really say that it was anything in particular. It was just like, you always knew that something was there. Yeah. You know, there were so many experiences of me just running around in woods and swamps and going, I know that there's stuff here <laughs> or just the, you know, like I always tell my husband these stories about like encountering snakes and he's just like, how are you alive? I'm like, I don't know. We just knew what to do. Yeah. Because you just grow up with this, and I hate using the word oneness with it, but it's just like you just have an understanding yeah. of the static and the background noise that, you, that you're just moving through because everything is alive. Mm -hmm. And I definitely felt that way when I lived in New Orleans, you know. The, New Orleans is its own, it's its own place. Yes, it, it has. I love, it has I love New Orleans too. It has its own. It has its own vibration. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. But again, it was just like that background noise of like, there's something here. And what I always found really interesting was that the people that were from there. Um. Again, it was just like that. That knowing of like, there is a hauntedness about this place. Yeah. And there are just certain, and there are just certain things that you don't fuck with, or excuse me, there no, are just certain things that you don't mess with, you know? I think fuck with is the right word. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, there were places in, I love New Orleans, but I don't have any New Orleans stories because when I, the times I've been in New Orleans, I really haven't poked the bear to, to speak metaphorically. But there have been other places in the South where I've been to where you can, you know, I, we had a little coven, even though we didn't call ourselves that, back in the little town that I was from. And it was mixed traditions because it had to be. If you were going to have yeah. enough people to do anything, they, they weren't all going to be Wiccan or they weren't all going to be any one particular tradition. But anyway, we had... It was, a, it was an uncoven. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> But there was a place that we used to go out to 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 work, and it was a fairy circle out mm -hmm. in the, some cleared West Baco land. But there was another group that used it too, and we were never there at the same time. But we could always tell when they had been there because the resonance had changed. Yeah. So you know, and all kinds of craziness that 
that happens with that and the things you see out in the woods that you aren't sure are really there or really not there. Yeah. Um, uh, or you yourself talking to, to stuff that, and you're just kind of like, who am I talking to? Oh, the, one of the scariest things that, that has ever happened to me in my life associated with that is out uh, close to that area, there was a house that had burned down and two kids died in a fire. Uh, and one night we were coming back, either going to or coming back. I think we were coming back. And my roommate's like, I know where that house is that burned down. We can go there. And I heard two little kids' voices go, not right now. And I was like, I just heard something go, not right now. So you guys can do what you want to, but I'm not going. Yeah. Ah, so, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and just, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And since I've moved up into the Midwest, I haven't had any experiences like that. And I don't know if it's just because whatever's here can tell that I'm not from here and I haven't really embraced um, the Midwestern identity or if it's just because in the middle of Milwaukee, being as it's a city, it's diffused. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing that I notice is that it's, for me personally, it's quieter here. But that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff here. I think, and also too, like, down south, there's a lot of pain. You know, a, a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. For... Yeah you know, uh, my ancestors caused some of it, you yeah. know, sadly. And, uh, and I just don't think that there is that signature up here necessarily. It's, it's, it's different. Hmm. I think that there probably is pain up here, but not on the scale because that's yeah. down South, especially like I grew up in Kentucky for those of you who don't know, and I grew up along the original route of the Trail of Tears. Okay. So not only do you have the thing everybody thinks of when they think of the South for good reasons, but the, the centuries of slavery, but also yep. the, you know, America's horrible history of treating indigenous peoples. Yeah. And I think if you look at the, specifically this area, there is that and not honoring treaties and yeah. of displacing indigenous people. But it doesn't also necessarily have that other part to it. However, on the flip side of that, and it's much more recent, Wisconsin is kind of famous for all the serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> so, have, you ever, have you ever been out to Driftless? No. Okay. So where I feel like the, the down south weird, if you will, is, uh -huh. out, is out in Driftless. If you want to feel like space age weird, <laughs> something like something is out here, go out to Driftless. Okay. Um, because uh, yeah, that is that is definitely where I can say in Wisconsin I have felt something. Also mm. up in the Appleton Riverside Cemetery. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's part of it too. I haven't really gone graveyard crawling here like I have in the South. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Riverside? it's, yeah, Riverside Cemetery. I mean, it's here if you can find it. I mean, mm -hmm. I live, I live over here in, in Bayview. So um, I go down to Lake Michigan a lot. And um, 
there's there's definitely a vibe there but to me it's more of a it's more of a peaceful yeah. it's more of a peaceful one but there's definitely you know there's some there's some land whites out there you know oh yeah <laughs> do it doing their thing yeah yeah I, I don't doubt it it's just one of those things and i and i think part of it's just also when you think of midwestern gothic you think of solitariness solitude yes so places that are not in the heart of the city um yeah how much truth there is to that who's to say but i haven't and i also again haven't been that active in the occult community up here so to, to really know i'm sure that there are probably places that aren't very far you know every university that i've ever been to has a university ghost as a campus ghost yeah so there's one here on the campus that I'm on. I just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Another place I would recommend is Holy Hill. That was Holy Hill? Holy Hill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you been up there? Mm -mm. No. It's, yeah, I recommend it. It's wonderful to go in the fall. Um, it's a church and what it is is that it has the, um, uh, it has the stations of the cross. Yeah. That you can walk through. But, um, and I know that it is quote unquote Christian, mm -hmm. but there are some of the most, but I mean, we all know that Christianity and paganism have a tendency to hold hands. Especially the Catholic persuasion. Oh yeah, especially the Catholic persuasion. I mean, there is, there is, um, they have like a little, um, there was like this side chapel or whatever. And I was just like, wow, the goddess is very present in here, isn't she? <laughs> I mean, you know, so yeah, I, I recommend that place too. That's another Ooh. place where you can be like, yeah, I can feel the, you know, the, the earthy vibes. <laughs> I definitely have to check those places out. Thank you. Yeah. So you also said that Wiccan is not your jam. What is your jam? Oh, okay. So I, lot, so. so, so I'm, I'm definitely a solid, a solitary practitioner. Uh, I am not a ceremonial magician. <laughs> uh, when I want to do magic, I want to do magic right. on the fly. Now, I I have uh, witchy friends, and you know I am in a chaos magic group online. But uh, uh, you are describing chaos magic. So. Yeah, I I I always have a hard time like putting myself into uh, like if somebody said, "What do you identify as?" I'm like me kelly <laughs> uh but uh yeah i'm not a ceremonial magician i do like a lot of the tenets of chaos magic because um i don't want to say that it's easy but it just makes sense to me well that's what i was going to say and i honestly i think and i've talked a little bit about this on, on previous podcasts for people of our generation because i'm in the same age category as you Growing up anywhere, it's not like you could go into some place and join the OTO or something like that. Yeah, and get exactly. Ceremonial training or be initiated. I mean, in New Orleans, probably you could probably be initiated in the voodoo or something like that. But outside of yeah. places like that in the South, it was you would get a Lewinowin book or you would get a tarot deck or, or what have you. You'd have your creepy uncle who did some stuff, not that kind of stuff, but. Some, yeah <laughs> you know and, and you are a, in my mind you are a chaos magician almost by default because you're just picking and choosing and grabbing whatever works when i was yeah. in, and following that it is all 
a, a Jungian archetype that you're selecting into the self or whatever, but it's because you are pulling from so many different directions. Yeah. And you're just shooting from the hip with yeah. what, with what works and what doesn't. I mean, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of superstitions and there are still like superstitions that I carry out to this, this day just because I grew, I grew up with them. And it's also a way for me to honor those who came before me because they're the ones who taught them to me. So I keep yeah, totally. going with them. But I mean, in terms of like, you know, witchcraft tradition didn't really have that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was, you know, I was raised in the liberal sect of the Presbyterian church. But what is so freaking interesting, <laughs> and I love teasing my mom about this, because like my mom had like this group of friends, you know, and they would always trade like good housekeeping and stuff like that. And there were always like recipes for potpourri and whatever. Right. And I found some of those same recipes in spell books and stuff so I uh, I always like tease my mom now I was like you were in a coven <laughs> I was like when you had me making those little sachets with like the orange peel and the cinnamon or whatever you were doing witchcraft <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. I was like no I wasn't it just it's called Christmas essence <laughs> <laughs> call it whatever you want to <laughs> call it whatever you want to ma it's fine it's fine you're 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 a witch <laughs> but yeah I mean we did we pretty much well were like you know chaos magicians by default because yeah. what else are you going to do right no you know and i and even to this day and i don't practice like i should I'm, I'm part of the reason that i'm doing this podcast is to make myself do more um i am drawn to ceremonial magic and i actually think it's kind of funny that you don't do ceremonial magic just because i so closely associate astrology with ceremony uh, really? Yeah, because of the Solomonic traditions and everything. Because it's always it oh yeah yeah yeah. House and you have to speak to the the proper spirits and call down the you know all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean I do planetary prayers every morning from the yeah. Keys of Solomon. And I just started doing it recently. It's just because I a friend of mine a friend of mine in my Chaos Magic group said, "Hey, I do this, and I've been finding that it really helps." I'm like. Cool, I'm gonna get that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, I, I mean, and that, that's another one of those things because I, you know, I, I had friends back in the day who had the, the Lesser Keys of Solomon and everything. So, yeah. they all claimed to be druids, which I thought was funny, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> How does that work out anyway? <laughs> People mark themselves with identities. I think, and I think some people initially get into the occult to differentiate themselves yeah and so we'll just choose a title not meaning to be culturally appropriative but being culturally appropriative by default yeah anyway that will took off on a weird tangent <laughs> yeah no, but it but it's but it's very true it, it is it's very true i mean like i really cringe when people like when when a white person especially like a white dude is like i'm a shaman it's like no you're not <laughs> totally you can do shamanic magic but you are not a shaman yeah but you, yeah you can do shamanic magic but you know you are yeah. not a you are not a uh you're not a shaman and also like um you know voodoo mm -hmm. like uh okay 
who did you study with? <laughs> See, that's just a thing. And I have, are you, you know, did you, you know, like, are you, you know, did you, uh, did you learn in New Orleans? Did you go down to Haiti? Did, you know, are you giving back to the community? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is something that I feel that you actually have. I mean, some things I think you can kind of pick up on your own. But the, the relationship between the low and the faithful is something that I actually think you have to be initiated into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, but, you know, with the, with, the, with the dawn of the Internet, you know, it's so easy for people to just be like, oh, I found all of these hoodoo spells online and now I'm a, now I'm a voodoo son. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's actually something because, you know, I, um, there are a couple of really good books that came out of Anathema Publishing um, by Craig Williams. Um, the Cult of Golgotha, and I don't remember what the other one is, which have a little bit of the, the voodoo thing in it. Yeah. And then there is, um, oh, there's a Boudin priestess that I, I follow online who actually does initiate people. Mm -hmm. I can't think of her name for the life of me at the moment. It's Lilith Dorsey or something like that. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, I know that name. Yeah. So, I mean, I do think that it is possible to find the connections and perhaps find somebody. Oh, to, totally. You know, but you still have to, to put in the work to initiate in that in a way that I don't think you necessarily have to with Wicca or Chaos Magic or anything else. But for some of the things that have, that have especially if you're doing spirit work, that have very close associations, then you need to or else you are putting yourself and other people in danger. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like with anything, like you can, con you can be born Catholic and convert to Judaism, yeah. you know, you just gotta, you've got to put in all of the work and all of the study to, you know, be Jewish. Okay. You know, to me, it's, to me, it's the same, to me, it's the same thing. And if doing a tradition is your jam, I totally encourage people to, you know, go to that tradition, do all of the things. I mean, it's like with me, with, with astrology, I wanted, I wanted to learn about the Hellenistic tradition because I was just like, I need to understand, you know, what was happening at the epicenter and yeah. then understand how it moved out from that. That's why, you know, that's why I'm just spending all of this time studying this because I just want to know, you know, right. so to me, it's the, it's kind of the same thing, you know? Well, I think that again, it is putting in the work, even if you mm -hmm. are not following what an OTO or yeah. somebody call like a true apprenticeship, you are putting yeah. in the work. Uh, oh yeah. The craft. And I think that that is the important thing is it's called a practice for a reason. You actually yeah. have to be doing stuff. You can't just be reading about it. Not that you shouldn't seek out knowledge and become as knowledgeable as you can, but if you are not practicing it, then you are not truly getting everything that you can from the material. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's like Chaos Magic 101. Like, read this book. Now go do things. Yeah. <laughs> do all of the things. <laughs> yeah. Don't even necessarily finish the book. Just do the things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's many... I think there's many different paths to get, you know, the universe to work in our favor. You know, it's just which path do you want to 
choose and which one is appropriate for you to choose. Yeah, I think that's really important too. You have to find one. If you are not a very organized person, then trying to do, you know, Solomonic magic is probably not going to be for you. Yeah. Um, maybe it is. Maybe that structure is something that you really need and you can get it through that. But I would say that you're probably not going to stick with it. You're probably going to cut corners and forget to do your your daily prayers and, and all the other stuff that comes along with it. That would be me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I know that about myself. Like, I, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think some of the ceremonial stuff is like, I think it's cool, you know, but like when I want to do stuff, it's like, I, I just want to do this. Like, I mean, I know that I've planned like, you know, new moon rituals for myself that ended up being like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm going to make it simpler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> well, I do think that that is part of it too, that, you know, uh, in some ways, I think as long as an honest effort is there. Uh, yeah. Of course, again, I think that also depends on what you're doing, because if you're doing fey magic and you're just doing, uh, I'm going to substitute this thing, that might not be the best thing in the world to do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's neither here nor there, really. Yeah. Do you do you have any do you have any deities that you work with or do you you not go that track or um there have been some that I've dealt with in the past, mainly Nordic deities. Okay. Because you know, I'm a white dude and you know I've always felt called to them, so um I've done some work with Thor. I have other deities that in the last few years I have felt an association with, but I haven't really worked anything with them because I haven't worked out in my head yeah. exactly how to do that. Um, if that makes any sense. Oh, no, it totally makes sense. <laughs> Before, when I was more active, it was much more of a chaos magic thing. You know, I would, you know, um, I don't remember who wrote the book, but there's a book on spirit totems, animal speak that talks about animal spirits and everything. Okay. And I get a lot of stuff with that. Mm -hmm. um, did animal totem readings, would work with the animal spirits and stuff like th that. And although I think that working with deities can be similar, but it's not exactly the same. So I haven't really started doing it very much. Yeah. What about you? Uh, so... I, I'm not a, I'm not a polytheist. I how I view the quote unquote gods and goddesses, if you will, is that they are they're just energies. Um, because we have the you know monkey brain, human brain, we put them in the forms of ourselves. Sure. So, uh, and I I work with them as from like a celestial point of view so like uh so a few of the energies i work with uh hakate mm -hmm. um who is also an asteroid and there are the three liliths uh lilith black moon lilith and dark moon lilith and yeah. there's chiron and then I work with the planets in their general meanings. Yeah. Uh, so 
the only one I have a statue for, though, is Hakate because uh, that's what did. Um, I mean, when they when when they make requests, I do go. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I always kind of think of them as gods with a lowercase g. Yeah. And that you know, um, how much of I'm kind of in the middle of the chaos. These are just young Yen archetypes that have been with us for centuries, and that's the way we think of them and perceive them. They're not, they are just manifestations of your own inner self and personality. Yep. I, I believe that to an extent, but I have had things that happen that I know were coming from outside myself. Mm -hmm. Whether that is just an energy, okay, sure. Um, but that energy has a name, I guess. Is, is yeah. how I would go about saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, you know, I feel like we give them names and bodies because, you know, we have names and bodies. Yeah. That's totally fair. You know, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I mean, that's how, uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much well how I, I work. And like I said, you know, I've started doing like the, the planetary prayers to the, the, like, you know, like today was Wednesday. So it was the planetary prayer for Mercury, which is pretty fitting because it's Mercury retrograde in Pisces and I have to talk. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I'm hoping that all everything I've said has made some sort of sense. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, work with it in that respect. I also work with, um, I also work with it in regards to like astrology transits. Um, so like, and the best way I can describe this to you is like, if you were having a, so I had a Pluto Saturn opposition. Mm -hmm. So in the birth chart, this is when transiting Pluto, the Pluto we have now is opposing the natal point of where Saturn was when I was born. Okay. So, uh, so who is Pluto? Pluto is the god of destruction and death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. It's Lord Hades, the underworld, opposing my Saturn, which because I have it in a day chart, which is the Hellenistic thing, is, my, is a malefic planet, but a more constructive planet. So what that means is that uh, any challenges I have, I will be able to overcome them. So Pluto comes in to, and faces off with my Saturn and, you know, Pluto, you know, it's kind of like the God asking you, have you transformed into the person that you said you would? Right. And I can always, and I can tell you right now, the answer is no. The answer is always <laughs> no when they ask you a question. Yeah. So, so there are, so when it exacts and it, you know, and because it's a slower moving planet and whatever, this is going to be a transit that's going to last for a couple of years. So what am I dealing with? I'm dealing with an underworld journey. Well, now I can go back to the mythology mm -hmm. of like, say, Anana and Arishkagal. And so what happened to Anana? She was taken into the underworld. She had to go through every gate. And at every gate, she had to give up something of hers from the, from the upper world. Yeah. 
until finally, you know, she met Arishka Gall and Arishka Gall, you know, uh, put her on meat hooks. You know, April, April, this is one of April Shaley's favorite, you know, put her on meat hooks, made her suffer, mm-hmm. you know, and the rest of the world, the upper world started to decay because Anana wasn't there anymore. And everybody was like, this sucks. <laughs> Do something. So they sent these little cherubs down into the underworld and um, they validated uh, Arushka Gal's pain and sent Anana back through the gates and to the upper world. So Saturn-Pluto opposition, you're on an underworld journey. So you can go to the mythology and be like, that's what's happening to me. I said, no, you know, Pluto asked me a question The God of the underworld asked me a question. I had to answer no, because we never really form into what we want to. You know, it's always a work in progress until we die. So you say no, and then, and it was, I can safely say that it was a very transformative uh, transit for me. It was happening in my midlife transits. So that made it even more so. So, you know, when things were really tough, you know, I can go to Saturn and say, hey, I'm doing a lot of hard work. Can you point me in the right direction? (laughs) Or I can go to Pluto and be like, I know I can't like complain to you because like there's no crying in the underworld. Actually, it's all the crying in the underworld. But you know, what, you know, what can be done? I mean, I did a whole lot of stuff. I did a whole lot of creative projects, wrote about a bunch of poetry that I don't normally do. So, you know, you can use the gods and mythology from a transit astrological point of view to help get you through stuff. It's just a matter of understanding it. So, so yeah, I mean, I think the gods, through, you know, astrology, archetype, energy, whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example. Sorry, that was probably like a huge tangent. <laughs> no, but, I think that was very good. So how long have you been a solitary practitioner? Have you ever worked with other people or have you just been um, solitary? Um, mainly I've been solitary. Um, uh, there were three of us for a while. One, uh, one she ended up moving back to Florida, and another one she just had a baby, so she's kind of been busy. Um, but we all, we all had like, you know, we were all coming from different backgrounds. Like, you know, one was a polytheist. The, um, the other one was like, I'm just trying to figure this out. And then there's me, where I'm just like, I'm up for whatever. Like, let's just, you know, let's do magic. <laughs> Finger guns. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty much well me. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we would get together, we would have dinner, I'd make a chocolate cake, I'd make a Hakate cake in honor of Hakate, you know, just, you know, stuff like, we'd get together and do stuff like that. I would do, I'm also a Reiki healer, so... Like we do Reiki healing for them and then, you know, like we'll try to raise the energy that way. Like we would just get together and do fun stuff. But yeah, for the most part, I've stayed solitary and I would say that I've probably been a solitary practitioner since my, I'm going to say 
since late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've always, I'll be honest. I've always been a bit of a mess with it where it's just like, I have an altar right now. I don't have an altar right now. Like, you know, it's always, I've allowed it to ebb and flow. So it just mm-hmm. ebbs and flows for me. Yeah. And who knows, maybe one day I'll be like, I'm a ceremonial magician now because I found the right people. I mean, who knows? <laughs> it's possible, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would consider myself a solitary practitioner too. I do have people that I've worked with in the past and if they were to call me up and, and want my help with something, uh, which they do on occasion, I, I will help them. But on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, sometimes year to year basis it's usually just me so yeah and and that's kind of that's that's how it's been for me too and and you know my uh like my my practice varies too like when i when i did my first uh, like when i did my first reiki uh attunement uh i very much made sure that for like when I went through the first, second, and third attunements, like I had a definite daily practice for the better part of two plus years. Like, I mean, it was daily. I mean, it was like, yeah. a, I got to get up an extra half an hour before work because I got to do stuff. And it was largely just to um, harness and maintain and control the attunements because that can be very because it's very intense and i mean i did mine over like uh, a year and a half period i think maybe two years but you know i remember because i was another healer that i was working with she was like you need to have a daily practice jesus <laughs> you're like just spewing energy all over the place so like for, yeah, for a good two to three years, yeah, I had like a very solid practice. Now it's kind of like chilled out a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I still have like a little bit that I do every morning, but it's not as intense as it was. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I've had you on here for the better part of an hour, maybe a little bit longer. I can't tell because... The format um, that we're using doesn't quite record. It is it is seven fifty four. So mm-hmm. we've been on for just about an hour. Yeah. So I always like to leave things a little bit early so that there's still stuff to talk about, as opposed to taking up all the things. That way, I can impose on you to be on again later. <laughs> uh, so I will ask you if you have anything, you know, any topics that you wanted to discuss that we haven't stumbled across naturally. Um. We've stumbled across a lot. We have. We have. It's been cool. Yeah, no, it's been um, great. I've had a lot of fun. And next time we'll next time we'll have to like do like southern ghost stories or something. Uh, like that. I've got plenty of them. Having or, in the south. Or or southern superstitions. Do you have any southern superstitions? Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I do. I mean, I'm sure that I do. I just don't know it. Okay. So that's something that I would have to think on because I think all of us have little superstitions that are kind of baked into our families and stuff. Um, so that is something that I would actually have to take some self-reflection and think about. Okay. Okay. But I like the fact that you gave me a homework assignment. <laughs> 
it's the it's the counselor in me. <laughs> always always giving people homework assignments where they have to go and and self reflect on their lives. Well, you know, self reflection is good. I mean, uh, in some ways, that is part of what the occult is is self reflection, because you have to get to know yourself before you can work anything. Yeah. Well, and think of the meaning of a cult. Hidden. Yeah, hidden. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, we're just trying to, and I feel, and I, we can, we can do this where we bring it back around to the very beginning. Astro that's really what astrology is mm -hmm. for me, is that astrology is another way to figure out who you are and to figure yeah. out what your path is. And, uh, you know, that's why, that's why I think it can be so, that's one of the things that I think it can be intimidating. Because uh, sometimes I've read people's, you know, there's always that person at the party is like, read my chart. Right. And, and I always, all the time. and I always, and I always warn them, like, I, I will, I'll give you your, what I call the big three, but. I might tell you some things that are too real. Are you prepared for that? And of course they're like, of course I am. And then <laughs> I look at the chart and I tell them, I, I, and I, it's, you know, I just read the chart and they're like, how did you know that you're a witch? And they run away screaming, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. So it's like, yes, I am, but that's not really, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's another way to learn about yourself and learn about your path. And, yeah. and, and, you know, there's many pathways to do that. Astrology is just another one of them. So. I think we'll let that be the last word because that was a good last word. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, it's been fun. I have greatly appreciated it. And thank you for listening to you, your voice from the void.